It's great to see everybody uh, this morning. My name is Ryan. If you're a guest today, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads, which just means I get to serve uh, our staff and our staff of volunteers and all the folks that make this community happen that is going out and hopefully being a voice and, and hands and feet of Jesus, uh, making wholeness in our world in here in Loveland and Fort Collins and the surrounding communities. And so I'm glad you're here. Uh, if this is your first time, thank you. If this is your last time, sayonara. I don't know. Godspeed for whatever reason that might be. <laughs> you might not have the reason. It might come to you in the next 30 minutes. We'll see. <laughs> wouldn't be the first for me. <laughs> I'm only teasing. So it's good to have everybody here. Holidays are coming up. Hey, did you know, by the way, that we have a bookstore here? Did you know that? So I knew that there was a bookstore. I'd never been in it before, so I ventured into it today. And I, you have, there's hoodies in there. Y'all have like crossroads hoodies like this one. And I was going to buy one, but you only have mediums. And I felt that that'd be a little distracting. For me, I know it'd be pleasant for you all. It would be hard to breathe for me. But uh, yeah, so I just, I thought that was kind of fun. But so if you're wondering why I'm not wearing a Crossroads hoodie, it's because my wife would not approve of that kind of distraction for her during the whole, she would not hear anything. She would just see me in a medium shirt. Be fun. How many of y'all like to play board games? Anybody like to play board games? How many of you like the game Monopoly? How many gluttons for punishment are there in the room you like the game and there's a few of you this is my son my son loves monopoly loves to play monopoly this is Fortnite monopoly which means whenever anything good happens to you you have to do this <laughs> whatever that is i don't know but for people who play Fortnite, it is that so monopoly oh you know there's like sixty-five thousand different monopoly games right like the genius of branding like we actually have three or four monopoly games in our game closet right and uh and and, and, and all of them are the same. They're horrible, right? I mean, they, they, it's just they add something under the word Monopoly to trick you. Like, it's still not this horrible game, right? Uh, but Monopoly, not, not a fan favorite of mine. Judah loves it, and so we play it every now and then. Uh, this was a, a Christmas present one year. But every Monopoly game, whether it's Monopoly Fortnite or Monopoly Vale or Monopoly Ohio or Monopoly End It, you know, whatever, uh, they all have this space that you land on, right? And it's called chance. Are you familiar with this? And, and you pick up a chance card. You did nothing wrong but roll a seven, which in some games is a good, is a good roll, right? You rolled a seven and you moved your little shoe or horse or Fortnite person and you landed on this chance, uh, chance square. And then you pull the chance card. Now the chance card is unlike the community chess card. The community chess card, uh, and I promise this has a little bit to do with the Bible eventually. <laughs> I refer back to my first statement of you might have a reason to leave within 30 minutes, okay? So the community chest is usually about your money, right? And the, the chance card is usually about your position, right? Where you move on the game board. And I know that because Google exists. I appreciate that. And so the chance card will generally move you forward or move you back. And it could be good, right? And you could advance to go collect $200. Yes. Wouldn't that be awesome if there was like a chance card that says, go to church, collect $200. <laughs> But there's not, so don't get your hopes up, right? But you could also get the chance card that says, go directly to jail, jail right? Do not pass go, do not collect $200. 
And if you, in some, then, so you can take a chance card and the chance card will produce inside of us sometimes a positively charged emotion and sometimes a negatively charged emotion. Go to, go, collect $200. You bypass that whole part of the board that your 14 year old owns and has hotels on, right? You can just bypass that and it's safety. Or you get that, go to jail, right? Now, when that happens to you or to me, we have this tendency when we're playing a game to be like, oh, that's just my luck right? That's the way it is for me. I always get it. Or you're that really annoying person who you play games with. It's like, I always get to go to for, go free and get 200 bucks. And it's true, right? You just expect, you don't even look at the card. Some of you, it's like, this is go to jail. I don't need to look at it. Here's my 50 bucks. I'm not going to even worry about it, right? And so we have this, like when we play board games, that chance experience, right? But you know, life, life deals us chance cards, Right? I mean, and I don't know where you are in a life of faith or how you think about God or the universe or whatever it might be, but I think we would all agree that we have these experiences in life that could fall under this broad category of chance. I didn't do anything but roll a seven. Like I woke up today and I got this news, good or bad, whatever it might be. And we generally live in life with a certain disposition. Some of you are of the very, very annoying class of people that are part of the hashtag blessed community. <laughs> Anybody want to own that? Like you're the hashtag blessed community. Like you're so bubbly. It's just frightening. It really is. It's just, but there's kind of a dark side to the hashtag blessed community. And that might, this might not be you, but the dark side to the hashtag blessed community is there's really, it's only if good things are happening, right? When things go bad, if you're part of the hashtag blessed world, then it's like, oh, where is God? Where's God when, when I, cause I can only see God in the good things, but then there's the equal and opposite side. There's the hashtag cursed community, right? <laughs> that no matter what good happens to you, it's like hashtag Eeyore, <laughs> right? It says, Oh, poo, right? And you might use a different word. I don't know. But it just doesn't matter. And so the reality is we as human beings, we live in this, like, I think when we're as, as fallen human beings, if I could like use kind of a church word, if I could talk about like Genesis three people, if you're familiar with the stories in Genesis that, that we live in a space that's broken, that's fractured, that we tend to be one of these people. We tend to live in the extremes of fatalism or what I'll call fanaticism. Right, these two extremes. For those of you that are talk note fill-in people, you just breathe because your first talk note fill-ins are there. They're all in orange today. Orange is the color of Crossroads. So there it is. Right? Oh, I did yellow. Darren, did you change my color? These people living outside their pay category. <laughs> Only kidding, only kidding. Right, so, so those are your fill-ins. They'll be bold in some color. I have no idea, apparently. But we have this, this, this idea of fatalism or fanaticism. We tend to be people that fall into one of those two categories. We live in these swings, right? Fatalism, the ability to never see a blessing. You could have just won the lottery, $70 million. Anybody ever win $70 million? That's a trick. I'm trying to figure out who needs to tie $7 million, pay this building off, right? Seven, $70 million and you're going to complain about it. Oh my gosh, you know the headache I would have with $70 million, right? And then there's the fanaticism side of things that only sees blessings in good. And the reality is both of those places exhibit what I would call an unstable soul. That when good things happen in life, we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
When bad things happen in life, right? It's just, oh, that's what I deserve. Or we're always only able to see God in the good things that experience, the things that make us happy. And when we live in this space, our soul becomes unstable and we get tossed around by our experiences, our circumstances. Anybody ever been tossed around by your circumstances? Anybody? Anybody ever been in a perfectly good mood and then you, th- you do this three times in Facebook and you're in a bad mood? Why is that? Because we're controlled by circumstances. And it's oftentimes the circumstances around us. We're like, how come my kids couldn't look like that in the fall picture? (laughs) Right? You're scrolling. Everything is good. Your life is fine. And then you see like this family of four and their little dog. The fall leaves are perfect on them. The sunlight is perfect. The hair is perfect. Kids are perfect. And you're in a bad mood after that. I mean, I know I am. Like that is not fair, right? We're unstable. So I started to think about this reality as we're walking into the Thanksgiving season. I said, I was thinking, I was like, well, how do we avoid this nonsense? Like, how do we come to a space where we can live more stable, where we aren't tossed around, right? James, the book of James says, don't be a reed tossed in the wind back and forth, right? We hold on to some some truths, some big things. And I started to think about this very ancient, old, tribalistic thing called the peace offering. And I thought that maybe there was this tool that was established through this ancient people known as the Israelites that could actually speak to us today. And this thing was called the peace offering. And I just wanna, if you're new to Bible study, this comes from a book in the Bible called Leviticus, which is what I would call oftentimes a throwaway book. Okay, can I just say that out there? That's gonna scare some of you. But there are days in my life where I'm like, what is this in here for? And if you have ever tried to do like the Bible in one year, you made it to like day 26 and then it was like Leviticus one. And you went, this was a bad idea. Why am I doing this? Right, so Leviticus is one of those books that gets a bad rap. It's ancient. It was written for ancient people in an ancient world, in a tribalistic world, and we are modern people in a modern Western world. So it's, it's, it's removed from us culturally, right? It was written in the ancient Near East. We live in the modern West, right? We're, we're, we've moved away from tribalism. We've moved away from even a sense of community. So we are so far removed just by thousands and thousands of years that it's really easy for us to think this is a throwaway book. But really, if we can read the Bible in a, I think, a healthy way, we could actually gain some wisdom. And so one thing you should know about me is I'm in this space where I tend to not read the Bible as a rule book. I think when you start reading the Bible as a rule book, yep, there's some great rules in there to follow that are good for you in life, no doubt about it. But when we see the Bible as a rule book, it becomes very confusing to understand culture and context and who these things were being written to. But I tend to think of the Bible now as a book of wisdom, that this is a book of people in their time, in their life, trying to gain wisdom, trying to understand what does it mean to be faithful to a God that created all of us, every person. And God meets us in the midst of that. And so as we jump in and I look at a few verses from this really crazy book of Leviticus, I just want you to hear that my goal is not to go to the book of Leviticus to say, how am I supposed to live? Because I don't think that that's a wise thing to do. But I can go to the book of Leviticus and say, well, how did they think they should live? What was it that they were wrestling with? And are there some principles that can help me make wise choices in my life? And so that's what we're gonna do today as we look at blood and sacrifice and burnt offerings. Yes! (laughs) 
Some of you are like, I think I can watch the Broncos right now on my phone. All right. So here we go. We're going to go real quick. Leviticus chapter seven talks about this thing called the peace offering or the peace sacrifice. And here's what it says. These are the instructions regarding the different kinds of peace offerings that may be presented to the Lord. Okay. So we're talking about a category of offerings amidst a tribal culture where sacrifice and offerings was just a part of everyday life. And here's another aside. Again, just me, I don't believe that God ever needed animal sacrifice. I know that that might sound weird for some of us, but I really honestly don't think that. I don't think that the God of the universe, the all-powerful, almighty, all-sustaining, all-suffering God is in a bad mood and needs an animal sacrificed to come out of it. Right? Like, I am so angry at you. Would you just kill a goat? And if you'll kill that goat, we can be good. Right? I, I just don't believe that, okay? What I do, however, believe is that these folks lived in a world marked by animal sacrifice. And it was a world marked where there was no boundary or, uh, on terms of humanity. Like, you were another tribe. We didn't care about you. You were even in my tribe. And I don't know if I care about you all that much. And so it was a violent time, it was tribalistic. And so what I think God says is, well, there's this belief, I'm gonna work within that belief and I'm gonna teach people that there are consequences to their actions. And I think, I think that's what we have a whole lot of happening in scripture in some of these ancient practices. So, so again, just so you know, like my concept of God is not Zeus on a throne needing this blood so that I, he can like be in a better mood, but God is the story of God is one of love and constantly meeting us right where we are with our crazy beliefs, right? And so this is the way the sacrifice worked in terms of Israel. Now, the peace offering you should know was about shalom and not forgiveness, all right? So if you were here last week during Pumpkin Spice Sunday, I talked about this peacemaking quality that Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Same word here in the Hebrew, peace, shalom. It's not uh, uh, something about forgiveness. Now, when you hear the word peace offering, you probably think forgiveness. Why do you think of forgiveness? Because of the famous, very influential poet, Britney Spears, who said, oops, I did it again. Right? Any Britney fans in the house? Yeah, come on. Don't be ashamed. There's no shame in the game. Thank you right there. I appreciate that. Britney, I will not do that dance. All right? So Britney sings, oops, I did it again. And, and, and we know in the room, if you're married or have a significant other or a parent, right? You bring a peace offering when you mess up, right? I did it again. I'm sorry. Bring some flowers, chocolates, cold, hard cash, whatever works, right? Coffee. Whatever it might be, right? We make that peace offering, but that's not what this was about. This was about shalom, wholeness. It was about when you and your life recognize a moment of wholeness, a moment of God at work restoring the brokenness around me, God doing something in my life, and I'm bringing my understanding of that to the circumstance, okay? So that's what this is. This is a, a category of sacrifices that were made called peace or shalom offerings. All right, now, here's what it says. It says, if you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving. Oh, now you see. Connect the dots. Thanksgiving, right? We think about this every now and then. There was a theme to the songs today. <laughs> so it, this was a, so within the category of peace offering, the first one is a thanksgiving. So if you come as an expression of thanksgiving, you bring the usual animal sacrifices, but they must be accompanied by various kinds of bread. Yes, you gotta have rolls with meat. 
we don't think this way because we just think about it in terms of religion, but this was a totally different world. And every animal sacrifice, just about every animal sacrifice was eaten. Like when you think of sacrifices in the Old Testament, I really want you to take a magic eraser to your mind and erase this idea that this was this somber religious. Now there were some very high holy days, but like these were just kind of everyday sacrifices and they were parties. It was a meal. It was a barbecue. That's what it was. They brought the goat. They barbecued it up. They ate the goat. They ate the bull. Right? They ate the pigeon, whatever it was that they brought. So, so you bring this, but they says, listen, this is such a good thing. You can't just have just the meat. So you got to bring some bread. And so there's different kinds of breads that are mentioned here without flour. And then praise God from whom all blessings flow says the peace offering of Thanksgiving must also be accompanied by loaves of bread made with yeast. How many of y'all like a good yeast roll on Thanksgiving? Warm and soft, right? It says, one of each of these kinds of bread, now this is fascinating, all these different types of bread you're supposed to bring, including yeast rolls, you bring one of each of those and you present it as a gift to the Lord. And it will belong to the priest who splatters the blood of the peace offering on the altar. So that got weird quick, I get it, all right? <laughs> all right. Everybody's like, oh, it sounds so good, oh, you know. <laughs> just picture like blood splattering all over you, you know. Okay, so we just, we remember tribalistic warfare is a totally different world. But here's what I want you to catch out of this. Like a part of it's God's, right? Because I'm coming and I'm recognizing the Godness in the moment. And God is a part of this meal. God is a part of this. And then there's just some fun regulations. It says the meat of the peace offering of Thanksgiving must be eaten on the same day it's offered. None of it may be saved for the next morning. Now that sounds like Thanksgiving, Right. <laughs> Right? And it sounds like Thanksgiving, even a better Thanksgiving than when you have, because you have leftovers for like 10 days. Right? So by like December 8th, you're like, turkey never again. Why did God create turkeys? You know? But that's what, what's happening here. It sounds a lot like it. Now, now we learn about two other type of peace offerings, right? It says, if you bring an offering to fulfill a vow, like an if then, I know this is super ancient. Nobody ever does this anymore. Nobody ever says, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. That's so way backwards way of thinking, right? Nobody's ever bought a $1 scratch ticket and said, God, if you, then I'll give half. I'll even give maybe a quarter, right? So you would make vows. This was very common practice in antiquity. You'd make a vow, right? If God, you do this, then I'll do that. So if, if that happened, then you'd bring your offering back and say, oh, I just want to recognize that God was faithful, right? And this desire that I had, very specific a vow, probably the most famous vow, if you're familiar with stories in the Bible, was Hannah, who made a vow that if she became pregnant, she would bring that child back to the temple. Some of you are like, how do I get on that action, right? And then she would, she left Samuel there to be cared for in the temple. She brought an offering with Samuel. That was a, a votive offering. So, so if you bring that, or as a voluntary offering, this, some of you just got cold shakes, like voluntary offering. Give a gift that I don't have to, right? No, but this was like, life is good. Life is good. Like we're in a good season and I just want to celebrate that. Like that's what the free will, is. I don't really have anything to point to. I just go for it. And says, if, so if these are the things, then you come and you bring it and you eat the meal the same day it's sacrifice. You eat it, you celebrate, but whatever's left over, you can eat that on the second day. It was weird. The Thanksgiving, it was like, mm -mm. but the other ones, you could have some leftovers until the third day. Anything on the third day has to be completely burned up, right? And some of you are like, good rule for, that's a rule I'm going to follow in the Bible on Thanksgiving. We are burning up all the Thanksgiving leftovers day three, right? 
But here's the thing, the three types of peace offerings, the thanksgiving offering, the votive or vow, or the free will offering, they all center around this one thing. These are ancient, ancient practices, by the way. They all center around this principle of gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is fascinating. Gratitude is powerful. It changes us, right? And so you think about this, God uh, took this bloody, violent system and said, I'm gonna leverage it to teach people how to show gratitude to one another and to me. So the Thanksgiving uh, peace offering, it showed gratitude for a very specific particular in life, right? My, my child was sick, they got better. I'm gonna go and, and have this Thanksgiving. We had a great harvest, Thanksgiving, sacrifice. Then there was the votive, we mentioned that. It was God's favor in a vow. I made this vow and now I have to fulfill it. And then the free will was again, this generic thing. My, like, I just recognize God at work. And here's the thing that's so amazing about these rituals is that in, in, the, in the history and in the nation of Israel, you have sacrifices that were for the community. Like one, one lamb was sacrificed and it brought peace with God for the whole community. And it was this big thing. And so they had three or four big festivals a year that everybody had to participate in. But this wasn't like that. This was just your family. This was like somebody saying, hey, I think we ought to recognize some, some godness here in our lives. And let's go down to Jerusalem. Let's go down to the temple and let's have a party. And it was uh, this private ritual that included God and family. Right? Not a, not a misspelling, but your friends and family. You'd come and be a part of this. So this, it was not uncommon. When this sacrifice would take place, it would be the brothers and sisters and cousins, and it would be the household servants, and it would be the strangers, anybody they could come with them. And they would come and have this private sacrifice. The priest would take some of the bread and some of the meat. The priest would join in as a symbol that, that God was present. And you shared and had this party with God, family, and friends. Now, here's what I think the point of this is. Again, the point is not that on Thanksgiving Day, you should save some of the blood of the turkey and right before everybody's ready to eat, just <laughs> give a good sprinkle across the table and hope none of it hits the bread, right? That's not, that's not the point, right? Some of you are like so angry you came to church today. Just ruin Thanksgiving, right? I don't think that's the point. But I think what we can learn from this ancient ritual is that our souls need rituals like this, that our souls need rituals that bring us together, that help us share gratitude with God, family, and friends. And I think it happens at something I like to call the cellular level. That we as human beings, especially in the West, we have a very hard time thinking about our souls, that reality of us that is deeper than our emotions, that reality of us that is really the image of God, that reality of us that many think is eternal, Many believe that, but that soul, for it to be healthy, for it to be the thing that can actually guide the rest of us, this, for our soul to guide our emotions, for our soul to guide our physical body, right? For it to be healthy, we need these spaces of gratitude. Even Harvard says so. And come on, if Harvard says it, right? I mean, you know, you might not trust God, but hello, Harvard, Right? Harvard Medical School defines gratitude as thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether tangible or intangible, right? Thankful appreciation. They wrote this, uh, they, they issued an article where they just kind of talked about the research between gratitude and happiness. 
And what they found was so powerful was that in all circumstances, when, in, every, in every study that they did, when people practiced regular intentional gratitude, it changed their lives. And you have Paul, who didn't have any uh, research faculty, unfortunately, but he wrote to a group of people called the Thessalonians. And Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, for those of you that say, hey, I'm going to live my life under the name of Jesus. I'm going to live my life uh, and put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to be a person of the way of Jesus. Then what that means is in all circumstances, we give thanks. Not give thanks for all circumstances, by the way. That's very different. That is crazy it's, we would never say that. Anybody that tells you, oh, you should be thankful that this bad thing happened to you, I think that's a misuse of, of that language. But I should learn how to express gratitude for God in the midst of those things, right? That's the power of what Paul is saying here. And so what about your everyday normal life? You're gonna leave here and probably the only thing you're gonna remember is this mental image of some crazy person at Thanksgiving splattering blood all over the table, right? But really, what should you walk away from? So what does that mean? So here's what I think it means for us. It means that we should learn to acknowledge the godness, the godness in our lives regularly and systematically. Regularly and systematically. And so here's some very simple ways that the research shows can help us become happier, healthier, and I think help us at our soul level. And you'll be surprised at how uncomplicated these things are. First thing, write thank you notes. Like regularly write thank you notes. Not an easy thing to do, it really isn't. Like, I'm not being silly when I say that. It really is, it really is to take the time to pause and reflect. That's tough. But writing thank you notes is a great way to center ourselves. Host a gratitude gathering. All the men in the room, the real manly, toxic masculinity men are like, yeah, I'm gonna host a gratitude gathering. I'm gonna fill out some nice thank you cards. Okay, <laughs> So I'm making fun of you, first of all, right? Let's just, let's own that piece of it, right? Let's call that what it is, toxic masculinity, right? And let's just recognize I'm a preacher and I have to get words starting with the same letters, okay? So gratitude gathering is the best I could do. But what is this? This is just a great excuse for a party. All the guys like, oh yeah, okay, I'm in now. I got it, I got it, party, yeah. Like gather people together just because we need to celebrate the, the godness in my life. That I, that's Friday. That I don't have to go to work tomorrow. The paycheck came. Right, whatever, the simplest things. Have these gatherings and just make it a part of it. It's like, we're just getting together to talk about how we're recognizing the good things in our lives. That's all we're gonna do. We're just gonna have a blast. That's awesome. Here's another one. Again, very difficult to do. Say thank you. Say, and we chuckle, right? That's not hard to do. Well, when was the last time you thanked your spouse for something they did around the house that you just think they should do automatically? I got quiet. <laughs> Whoa. He's <laughs> like, uh, I need to doodle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Where's the pumpkin spice coffee at, right? Whatever it might be. But it is so difficult. But think about it. If I showed up at your house while you were at work and cooked you dinner and you walked in and were like, What's for dinner? And you had dinner and, and then I cleaned up after dinner and you never said thank you to me? What kind of a jerk move would that be? Right? Like seriously. And again, I'm not talking about gender roles here. I'm just talking about our spouses, the things that we do. When was the last time you thanked your spouse for something that you assume they do because that's the way your household functions? 
Not because of gender. Again, I'm, I'm the farthest person to be talking about gender. Like how your household works in a healthy way is usually a division of labor, right? But, but just because it's a division of labor, just because it's how we do things, does that mean we shouldn't say thank you? Right, even my children deserve a thank you every now and then. Right, somebody unloads the dishwasher, even though I told them to, I should say thank you. Right, so we, there's power in the, if you're a boss, a manager, a coworker, the power of saying thank you recognizes I need you. Because you did that, I didn't have to do something. You eased a burden on my life. Thank you. And, and when somebody says thank you to you, like don't take that as their assumption that you had to do that. Right, take it as a true recognition of it. You know what the Harvard research also showed? You'll never believe this. Prayer. That prayer is a great way to show gratitude. Paul said, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Watchful and thankful. Now, in our highly moralistic Western way of thinking, we hear the word watchful and thankful, and we think watchful is watch out for evil. But I wonder if Paul was saying, watch out for things to be thankful for. Be watchful for God at work because I think that's what prayer is. I think prayer is a contemplative mind in connection with God, with myself and with others. Prayer is this space where I bring my mind out of itself really and I say, okay, how is God at work around me? How can I recognize this? How can I be watchful and thankful for it? Uh, We went and saw the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood last night. Anybody seen this movie yet? Yeah. So mixed reviews, not gonna lie, mixed reviews, but uh, a, a, a good movie for what it is, loved it in a lot of ways. But there's this great scene, I'm not gonna spoil it for you, it's about Mr. Rogers, that might've spoiled it, but I'm not gonna spoil it for you. Um, he started a little show. And there's this scene where, where the reporter is having a conversation with uh, Fred Rogers' wife, and he calls Fred a living saint. And she says in the movie, she says, I hate that phrase. I love how direct she is. She says, I hate that. I hate it when people call him that. And he just kind of looked at her. He says, because when people call him that, it's as if they're saying they can't attain what he is. And she said, he works really hard to be who he is. It doesn't come easy for him. And then she started talking about things that he did in his life that every day was work to make sure that he could be attentive to people, to make sure that he could keep his anger and his emotions and deal with them in appropriate ways so that he could be a model. And one of the things that said that he would do every day is he would pray for people by name. I thought that was fantastic. And there was this very beautiful moment in the movie where they show him praying and he's just saying names. So all he's doing is saying names. That is not complicated, but it is profound and powerful. We think, oh, if I'm gonna pray for somebody, I have to know everything about it. No, no, no. See, because again, all these spiritual practices, I hate to break the news to everybody, are about you, not about God. God is perfectly whole. Doesn't need you, doesn't need me. God doesn't need our prayers. I need my prayers. And so when I sit and I pray and I go through my Facebook list of people and I list them by name, it's changing me. I'm becoming more like God in that exercise. I'm recognizing that there are other people besides me in this world. What a great thing, right? And then the last thing we can do is we can count our blessings. Anybody remember that old song, count your blessings, name them one by one? Anybody? No, okay, okay, some of you. Some of you just didn't wanna say, like, no, I'm not that old, no way. Came to Jesus last week, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Right, count your blessings. And this is a totally cheesy thing, and if we're careful, we could like fall into this 
trap of, we'll just talk about the good things and I'll only post the pictures that of the family imperfect. But, but I, I, I think the blessing is this. I think that blessings are the moments where we get to say God is present in it. See, that's to me the blessing. Blessing isn't about good or bad, positive or negative. Blessing is about the moment where my mind is renewed and I can see God present. And sometimes that's in positive experiences and sometimes it's in negative experiences. And so here's what we're gonna do today to finish out. Today, we're gonna offer our own like modern day peace offering. Bring in the bulls. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All the hunters in the room are like, I got this one. (laughs) I assume it's a wide stance when you shoot something. I don't know. (laughs) We're not gonna pull the bulls in, but here's what we're gonna do. The principle of the peace offering is we recognize God in the midst of a circumstance of our lives. And then we share that with others to be an encouragement. So we're gonna do it in a modern way today. So if you have your cell phone, and I know you do, because I've seen it the whole service, I've seen them. (laughs) Y'all had like the face of Moses glowing as you walked off of the mountain, right? (laughs) I can always tell the points of the message I need to hurry up on, because there's a lot of this going on, right? (laughs) Some of you are like, he can see that from there? Okay, so here's the deal, you take your phone, and what would you offer a peace offering for? What would be that thing if you were lived in ancient Israel that would motivate you to pack up your family and go and offer a sacrifice and have a big old barbecue together? So you can maybe think of it as answering this question, today I'm grateful for, right? And so you text that into this number, 970-475-8626, standard text messaging rates do apply, all right? Okay, now your name, unless you put your name in the text, your name, your number, none of that stuff will show up. But you'll text that in, and then what's gonna happen is during our final song, we're gonna just display on the screen all the things that we're thankful for together as a community, and we're gonna be encouraged by that. And you can clap and cheer on somebody's, you can laugh, you know, it's fun. Like, it really is meant, like, whatever, the smallest, the biggest things, no problem. And here's the deal, we are screening these for those of you that think it'd be fun to get a naughty word on the screen, all right? So, nice try, all right? We thought of that, okay? So you can like be thinking about that, be texting that. And I'm gonna give you the last two fill-ins, all right? For those of you that can't move forward with texting until you get that last fill-in. But we practice regular and intentional gratitude. Regular and intentional gratitude. God has set that up. God has established it in our lives, in our ways through scripture. We see it, these shadows of it within ancient Israel. The research shows it, the research confirms it, that when we do these things regularly with intentionality, we have more positive emotions. We have improved health. We have greater resilience to the adversities in our lives and we build stronger relationships. These are factual things. The way to walk through difficult times in our lives is gratitude. It's gratitude. And you know what I think is the most powerful thing that grows in us when we do this regularly is humility and appreciation for God and others. Because gratitude reminds me that most of the circumstances in my life are the way they are because of other people and because of a God outside of myself. Gratitude reminds me that I can't do everything on my own, that it's foolishness to think that I just put my boot laces, straps and tightened those things up and I did it all on my own. Gratitude says that's impossible. You know, my wife and I, in the last season of our lives, I traveled a lot and, uh, and, and, and I was gone. And then the, during this season with uh, her father, there were times where she was gone and uh, she would go, and, and my wife travels leading trips, missions trips to different spaces and places. And, and while she was gone, she would send me text messages and she would say things like, did you do the laundry? Or she would say things like, what did you cook? And I would say things like, nothing. 
I did none of that. I said, do you think you're not like a necessary part of this equation, you know? And there were other things that she does, right? With our children, with you know, her work. Like, there's all these things that they just can't get done because I need her. I need her. And I need her emotionally. Like I need her gifts. I need her talents. I need the things that she loves to do. My wife is crazy. Wendy, she loves to fold laundry. She loves to do laundry. You can't keep a dirty item of clothing in our house for more than an hour and a half. It's therapeutic for her. I don't know. She loves it. The worst thing she could ever say to me is, could you switch the laundry over? And then there's like, there's clothes in the dryer that need to be folded. I'm not a detail person, <laughs> right? And so like literally for me, it's, it's like necessity. Like when she's gone for 10 days leading a trip to Africa, like day nine, that's when the laundry gets done. Like we made it, you know? This is about her not coming home to a mess, you know? It's those kinds of realities. And I think there are some of those things too in her life that when I would be traveling, there were things that I couldn't expect her to do because those were my deals. And I had to work on that. I had to make sure of that because we need one. And gratitude reminds us of that. All right, so that was Phil. I hope you got some time to text it in. So grab your Connect card, your offering, and just think about the, the, as you text your gratitude and the number's there. So what's God inviting you into today on this big idea of gratitude? On the back of your connect card and on your talk notes, there's some next steps. Maybe to make the Thanksgiving table a peace offering. Maybe you wanna go crazy and start a gratitude journal, a blog, or a weekly post, right? Where you just say weekly, I'm gonna say something I'm grateful for. You know, maybe that's one way to do it. Maybe you wanna go to the like the postdoctoral level of gratitude. And you wanna take like a four-week challenge, write one thank you note once a week to somebody who you haven't, appropriately said thank you to recently. That could be something God's invited. I have no idea. On the back of your connect card, there's a few other things that just should take note of. Maybe you wanna be a part of uh, the Jingle Jam event here, which is gonna be awesome outreach into our community, family and friends. You wanna see what volunteer spaces are there or the giving tree, different things like that. You can see that on the back of your connect card. Finish filling that out. Text in your, uh, your peace offering, your Thanksgiving offering. And about... Two thirds of the way through this song, the ushers are gonna come and they're gonna pass the baskets down. I wanna say thank you for your generosity. Thanks for putting that connect card in there. If you're a guest, don't feel any pressure to give anything in the offering. It's an opportunity for our regular attenders who really do understand the mission and the vision of what we're trying to do here as a community to generously support that work of one another. So thank you to those of you that do regularly give so generously. And, uh, and we're just gonna have a peace offering here. It's meant to be fun. Uh, it's meant to be a, a celebration because that's what these things were. It was look at what God is doing in the midst of our lives, all right? So thank you for participating. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody.